hold his hands with you and say, Our Father, in the name of your Son Jesus, we receive revelation. There is found in Christ in There is no confusion. There is no contradiction in this atmosphere. Everyone can behold you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified. And we are edified. Amen. Let's dear be light. Genesis 1. You ready? Genesis 1. Let dear be light. Amen. It says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And now it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved over the space of the waters. And in verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And we've been studying for the last three, three weeks, I think. Is this the fourth session or the third session? Fourth session. Fourth session. Oh, wow. We, we haven't got, done anything yet. Alright. So, we've been studying for the past three weeks and we've been saying, and we already understand what darkness is, right? We said darkness is the state of a man without Christ. That is, darkness is the state of the unbelieving man. That is, a man who hasn't believed the gospel is in darkness. So we said darkness is the state of a man's heart. That is, the consequences of man's disobedience. And we've said, we've settled already and we said that uh, when he says, let there be light, he wasn't talking about a physical light because a physical light is not a spiritual reality. So, I we said darkness is not a physical darkness, I will walk through the scriptures and we saw it. So, when he says, um, and we looked at light also, and we said light there is physical, it's not physical, sorry, it is a spiritual reality. And we said when God said in the beginning, he created heaven and earth, and we said it means the immaterial world and the material world. So that is, and that is uh, the material world and the immaterial world. We're going to take it a bit step further later in the series, what heaven and earth means. And we said, when it says, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters, we said, what has there refers to people, that is, nations. And I explained to us that in studying the scriptures, if you miss it in Genesis, you're going to miss it all through the scriptures. If you have missed it in Genesis 1, on what darkness means, you're going to miss it all throughout the scriptures, and you will understand the, the statement darkness. If you miss the statement light, true in Genesis, you will not understand what light means throughout the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? So Genesis is the beginning of study. If you want to understand the scriptures well, you must start from the beginning. I used to tell people years ago, I used to say, if you want to understand the scriptures, go from, start from Romans to Jude, read the epistles a lot, feed on the epistles. But as I grew older and studied the scriptures, I found out that the truth of the matter is, you can pick the Bible from Genesis and understand it. If you have missed the narrative of what 40 days means in the first five books, Moses' explanation of 40 days, you are going to miss it throughout the scriptures. If you have missed his explanation on heaven, earth, um, day, night, 
you are going to miss it throughout the scriptures. Now, let's, let's do day and night. Look at First Thessalonians. Let's quickly do day and night. It's not part of my notes, but let me just show you something. Go to First Thessalonians. So, to let you see that even day and night is not a physical, is not physical reality. Let's go to First Thessalonians. Let's go to First Thessalonians. Five. Let's go to First Thessalonians five. Let's see verse. Uh, let's start from verse four. First Thessalonians five, verse four. You should be there, right? Yeah. It says, "But ye brethren are not in darkness, that the day he used the word day should overtake you as a thief." In our says, "Ye all are children of light, and children of what the day." So, if you have missed day and night in Genesis, you are going to miss it. To let you see that. So, when he says children of the day, now is he referring to a physical day? Is he referring to our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Definitely no. So, he says, we are not of the night. So, when he says we are not of the night, he's not saying we are not of physical night. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a spiritual reality. So, if you have missed it, in Genesis, you are going to miss it all throughout the scriptures. If you miss the concept of rest, the Lord rested on the seventh day, Sabbath, you are going to miss it throughout the scriptures. If you miss the concept of promise, covenant, in Genesis, you are going to, anytime you see covenant promise, your mind will just be, I God made the covenant with me, I made a covenant with God, all of those things. Go get Bible and notice, I don't want to explain it here. <laughs> and, and listen, now, you would understand what it is saying. So if you missed your study in Genesis, you are going to have issues with the Bible. You are going to keep finding meanings. You are going to keep finding things that doesn't link. You know all those people that used to link and link things that is not linking. <laughs> you are going to just keep having all of those issues. So Genesis is the foundation of study. Tell your neighbor, say Genesis, Genesis. is the foundation, foundation. of study. It's the foundation. So if you are taught, we studied last week and we saw the tree of Adam and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we saw that the tree doesn't refer to a physical tree. We studied the garden, the garden of Eden. And we said it is a, a physical place, right? And we went through all the scriptures. Remember that day when we were hopefully and flipping pages? And we saw through the scripture that the Garden of Eden is a physical location in a place. And Moses was talking to his audience. Now, it is very key to understand the writings of the scriptures. Now, let me explain to you. You all and those who are listening to us are our audience, right? And I'm going to talk to you in a language you understand. That's why I'm speaking English. I'm going to talk to you also with relatable things and things we can see in our world. You know, in 1990, no preacher could use Tesla as an example because Tesla was not in view. Are you getting what I'm saying? But now in our world, we can use Tesla to explain and to bring things together for your understanding, right? But imagine I'm using, imagine I'm talking to a child now and I'm using typewriter as an example. I used typewriter when I was younger. I saw typewriter, I was taught with typewriter till computers came in. Now, and imagine I'm teaching a child now and I'm saying, you know there's a typewriter, the child will not be able to relate, right? Because it is not in his world. The same thing with the writings of scriptures. 
Moses was the preacher. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He is the preacher of those people. Now, his audience were agrarian in nature. I'm giving you a bit of an historical background. Agrarian in nature means they were people used to farming, used to agricultural setting, used to all of those things. So he is going to use relatable experiences to explain to them. That is why he used the word garden. He used fruits. He used trees. He used all of those things so that they can understand the spiritual reality is communicating to them. So he will use day, he will use night, he will use seed because those are the things they were using and it was relatable. Does it make sense? But imagine if I'm preaching somewhere, let's say I'm, I'm out of the United States of America now and I'm preaching somewhere like, you know, from where I came from now, there's no 24 hours electricity. Now I can simply tell people and say, when the light is off, now, but those in the United States of America can relate to saying that there is no 24 hours electricity except you have not paid your life bill. Are you getting what I'm saying? But even if you pay your life bill from where I came from, even if you pay and you have overpaid the life bill, if there is no light, there is no light. <laughs> That's the meaning. In fact, it was so worse that the transformer, I don't know, I, I, I barely see transformers in the United States. Now, this transformer is, is so this is our gate, the gate of our house is here. The transformer is here. So, and if this transformer has a problem, only my house will suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are not going to have light for days. Now, some of you can relate that, wow, you mean you're going to be in darkness? Yes, we're going to own lantern. You don't understand lantern now. You don't. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? So, I'm going to use experiences that you can relate to it now. To make you understand the scriptures. How many of you get to, to this point? Let me see your hands. Mm -hmm. Alright. The same with Moses. That is why it seems like when you are reading the epistles, it's make a bit sense. It's making sense. Now, when Paul was to talk about things in the epistles, he was now saying pastor. But Moses was saying shepherd. David was saying shepherd. They were using the experiences of shepherd to explain pastor. But Paul's word was a most cosmopolitan word, gentile word. It was more relatable to our world today. That's why it's very easier to read the epistles and they understand it. Because they relate to you. They can talk about taxes. You pay taxes. They can talk about those things. But you can't see all of those taxes in the Old Testament. And they brought their understanding and their explanation from the Old Testament. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they are going to relate with their world. Don't forget, who was the audience of Moses? I explained to you, the audience of Moses were those guys who were stuck in Egypt. You know, just Jesus brothers, Joseph brothers who went to Egypt to beg and when there was famine, and they stayed in Egypt for years. Years has passed, years has passed. Now they were now in bondage, right? Now, because of that bondage, they didn't leave. And don't forget, they were used to an agricultural setting. They were already using them for slave trade. They were already using them for slavery. So they were doing a lot of construction work, a lot of farming work, a lot of all of those things. So now, and now we are taking them out of Egypt and taking them to the wilderness. What are you going to see in the wilderness? You are going to see trees, see waters, see animals. Are you getting what I'm saying? See seeds. 
that you can relate to all of those things. So when he's to teach them and preach the gospel to them, he is going to use things they can relate. What if you get into this point? So he is going to... Now, when you turn out, the problem we now have is that we are reading the scriptures in our today's world. No. We are to sit back in like the audience of Moses and read the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, that's why you will see the word serpent. Serpent is not... Serpent is a description of the devil. But that is what they are seeing in the wilderness. They are seeing snakes. They are seeing serpents in the wilderness. So when they are to talk to them and to explain the description of the devil to them, they are going to say it's more subtle than any beast because the serpent does all his subtleties and everything. So it's, they are going to use those kind of things to teach them that this is how the devil behaves. He is so cunning like this and like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because of how a snake move. So they will use relatable experiences to teach them the gospel. So they will use serpents. They will use the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They will use the tree of the knowledge of good. And they will use all of those things. And I explained to you, I said, Eden was a physical place that has a physical location. So it was like saying a very beautiful city. Just like we, we agreed and said, um, one of the most beautiful cities, we agreed as a church. And I don't know if it's true. I've not done that research. And we said, is it that Las Vegas or California, right? We said that, right? Now, so it's like saying, I'm teaching you what is happening in Cali and what is happening in Las Vegas on the gospel. Doesn't it make sense? That two guys were there, Adam and Eve were there, and they disobeyed God. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Yes, sir. All right. And we studied the tree, the tongue, the fruits, and all of those things last week. Now, go to Mark 7, verse 15. Let's look at something because I want to take it a bit step further. I'll try not to waste too much time like I did last week. <laughs> I want to just, I want us to hit the home run in this morning session and let's see some other things. Look at Mark 7, verse 15. So we said, and he said, look at Jesus explaining to them in Mark 7, 15. He said, let's start from verse 14. He says, and he called, and he said, and he called all the people unto him, and he said unto them, Hacking unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things that come out of the man, those are they that defile the man. In us, it's in verse 16, he that has a year, let him hear. In verse 17, he entered into the house and from the people and the disciples asked him concerning the parable. And in verse 18, he said, Are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into a man, it cannot defile him? So it is wrong for us to think they ate a physical fruit. And that's what they made, that's what made them see. No, God is not that uh God is not playing Akipanki with them. I say you eat fruit. So why did they plant the fruit? If he knows they are going to eat it. And so it means he tempted them to eat it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it cannot be a physical fruit. It is not. So it was a description. And we explained tongues, remember? We used we explained the word mouth, tongue, last week. 
I will say that it means the words and what comes from the heart. So Jesus said, look at in verse 19, he said, because it entered not into the heart. He now says, but into the belly and goeth into the drawers, putting all meat. Meaning, once they eat the fruit, the next place they are going to go to is where? The toilet. And when they go to the toilet, can that still be called a sin? It's no more in them. Are you seeing that? So that means their heart wasn't affected. But that's to let you know that what happened, and I explained that to you in the last three weeks, I said what happened in the garden was that they disobeyed the gospel. They did not hack into the voice. They didn't hack into the light. They didn't hack into what God is saying. Hallelujah. So we, we settled that, right? Everybody understand, right? Yes. You, you can lay your hands on what I've been explaining in the last three weeks. It's going to make sense. And we said, um, when we talk about the way, I don't know if you remember when we were explaining the way, when he says, uh, so that we thought that um, they guarded the cherubims, were guarding the garden. No, it was not. I explained to you last, last week, I said, the essence of the angel was not to guard the tree of life, but rather it was to point man's direction towards the tree of life. So that means if you have missed that word, the way, you are going to have problem. When Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. Remember I said that last week, right? Yes, Remember? Lay your hands on last week's message. Alright, let's get into let's get into today's nitty-gritty. So I, I just want to I, need, I have a lot to explain. So we said already that to eat of the tree of life was Moses' explanation and Moses' historical explanation of faith in God's word. That is his voice, his commandment, his covenant, his law. And we said to eat of the tree of the good and evil was Moses' explanation or historical account of the Garden of Eden to explain disobedience to God's word. That is, disobedience to his voice, disobedience to his commandments, disobedience to his covenant. So that means, now, so what was Moses teaching his audience when he says to obey and to have life? Go to Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 to 20. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 to 20. I already said that when they say they heard the voice of the Lord, what does it mean? Let's take it a bit step further. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 to 20. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 to 20. Are you there? Or you should be there. Look at what it says, but the word, Deuteronomy 30, verse 14 to 20. It says, but the word is nigh unto thee. In thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. He now says in verse 15, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land. With that thou goest to possess it. In verse 17, he now says, But if thy heart turn away, so that thou will not hear, thou shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. In verse 18, he now says, I denounce you this day, that ye shall surely what? Perish. So now when Jesus would use perish in John 3:16, if you have missed perish here, you will understand it. 
Are you getting what I'm saying now? No. So when it says, ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passeth over Jordan and go to possess it. In verse 19, that says, I call heaven and earth. So if you have not understood heaven and earth now in Genesis 1, you are going to miss it here. Are you seeing it now? It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, choose life. That both thou and thy seed may live. And that says that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, and thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is the life and the length of thy days, and thou mayest dwell in the land which the fathers swear unto the fathers, and to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to give them. One of the first things you should notice, he made mention of heaven and earth. And we said that heaven in Genesis 1 verse 1 to 3 is to teach about God. That is, his words, his action, his spirit, his life, his light. So when he says in the beginning God created heaven and earth, we've explained that. Now, in verse, look at Deuteronomy 18. So when he says, who shall go up in verse um, 12, when he says in verse 12, when he says, is it not in heaven that thou mayest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and to bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? What was Moses saying? Look out. Let's read this very carefully. I want you to pay attention. He says, is it not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven? And bring it unto us that we may what? Hear it and what? Do it. So that means, now let's take it literally. Somebody is going to heaven to bring something. We will hear the thing and we will do it. Right, guys? If we have to take it literally, right? Right, guys? Okay, good. Now go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 18. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 to 18. You must appreciate and love the Bible. You have to. You just have to. You must appreciate um, intelligent study of the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? You don't come to church and all you are hearing is acquire to the fire, to desire, to desire, and go to fire. <laughs> when, you, when you hear all of those things, what is it for? Then when, you are, when life challenges hit you now, Monday to Friday, you now say, I'm trying to acquire the desire that I retired. How has that helped you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The word of God is true. Amen. Alright. Look at um, Deuteronomy 18. 15 to 18. You have to love Bible study in this church. You have to. It says, The Lord thy God, let's read it together, will raise unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. And unto him shall he hearken. Follow carefully, guys. According to all that thou, de- thou desirest of the Lord, Thy God in Oreb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again. We already explained voice, right? Right, guys? We already explained voice. Let me not hear again the voice of my Lord, of the Lord my God. Neither let me see the great fire anymore that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have spoken that they have, He says, They have well spoken that they have spoken. In that sense, in verse 18, I will raise them up. A prophet from among thy brethren, mm. like unto thee, and I will put my words in thy mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command. Now look at look at what he now says in 19. 
and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall hearken to my words, which he shall speak in my name, he will require of it. Now look at now. This is in tandem with Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. We are going somewhere. Just pay attention to what we are reading. We are going somewhere. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Are you following me this morning? Please don't lose me. It's going to make sense soon. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He now says in verse 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Look at Deuteronomy 4. Now, this is the same phrase. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 29. Deuteronomy 4.29 It says, But if thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, and thou shalt seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, there's something you must pay attention to. He used Lord. He used God, right? And they were referenced by the same writer. Look at Exodus 3. Verse 15. Let's look at something. Exodus 3.15. Exodus 3.15. Exodus 3.15. Just follow the readings carefully. It's going to... We are, we are going somewhere. Or let's start from verse 14. Because I'm still going there. Exodus 3.14. We want to explain God and all of those things. So that when somebody asks you and says... Who is God? What is he like? Maybe I should touch a bit on it this morning. Then we'll get into what we want to say. In verse 14, Exodus 3, 14, it says, And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus see it. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God said in verse 15, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is the name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Now, don't forget, there was a question that Moses asked in verse 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall ask me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Moses was asking a good question. God sent Moses to go and deliver his people. And Moses was asking, if people ask me what's my name, what's your name, or who sent me, what am I going to say? Will I just say something spoke, or I just saw a fire in the burning bush? That's not going to make sense, right? And God said, tell them, I am sent you. He now told him again, he retreated it again. Tell them, the God of your fathers, Abraham. So that means you have to read Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you, have no, if you don't understand those three things, you won't understand the meaning of why we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are going to explain it too. So let's look at that word I am. That word I am is translated from the Greek word. Now why do we use Greek? The Greek word, we, when we say Greek now, this is supposed to be Hebrew. 
but we are translating it from the Septuagint. Now, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Does that make sense? So now, when we say I am, in the Greek is Aya, H-A-Y-A-H, H-A-Y-A-H, and it implies to exist, to become. That's the meaning. When it says I am, to exist, to become. So God's response to Moses says, I am that I am. Yahweh. In other words, God, that is the Elohim, will become Yahweh. To redeem, to save, and to deliver. I'll come again. So when he says, when Moses asks that question and says, I am sent him. And we said the, the Greek word is H-A-Y-H. Y-A-H. And it simply means to exist. To become. Now, why do we go back to the originals? I've always explained to us that the scriptures are not as English as we think. English language is about 800 years or less. And the originals were written in the Old Testament written in Hebrew. The New Testament written in Greek. In fact, it was recorded, I believe, that Jesus spoke Aramaic and Greek. Aramaic is like a pidgin language, like saying an average of English language, um, of their own language, not English now. An average of their Greek language. Does that make sense? Now, when they are to write, they will write in the originals. Is it making sense? Then, from the translation, there is always a problem. And that's why I have issues a lot with translations. All those translations that used to speak too many English and give you too many words. They are only explaining their translation in English. But the scriptures are not as English as we think. Are you getting what I'm saying? So to understand properly what is saying, we go back to the originals to see it. Does it make sense? So don't be scared when we say the Greek word for this, the Hebrew word for this. It simply means we are going back. Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I, I remember we did a practical when we said Noah should speak French for us. And that word is spoken in French. I'm sure somebody in French will be able to explain it properly even more than the translation in English. Are you getting what I'm saying? Imagine how we have a mixed audience and I have an interpreter somewhere standing here or standing here and I'm speaking English, the person is speaking Spanish. Do you know that the person will not be capturing my words properly? I don't know if you know. So I will need to go back to that Spanish, right? And explain it properly. I don't know if you understand now. So that is what we do. So we look at that word. So if it says, I am that I am, it doesn't make sense to an, to an, to in an English language. I am that I am. All of us just use the word. Now, let's, let's think now. What does I am that I am means? I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, that I am. <laughs> Guys, think, think, think. But you know because you have been reading Bible, it's Bible, it's Bible. Don't touch it. It's God that said that is his name. So just leave it as the I am. <laughs> no, he did not. He did not speak in English. Moses didn't even write this in English. Hallelujah. So let's go back to how Moses wrote it and explain it very well. Does it make sense, guys? If it makes sense, let me see your hands. Because if you say "I am that I am," what does "I am that I am" means? I am. So God will tell Moses that I am Moses that I am. 
<laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. So we look at it properly. Now, so when he says, so God's response to him, don't forget, he now said in verse 15, and God said, moreover, unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children. So he said, I am that I am in verse 14. But he now told them, he now, he now explained further. That's why I've always told you that. The Bible is not written in verses and chapters. It was people like you that added it. Moses was not writing verse 1 in the beginning. Verse 2, God created. No, they added it to you. The people that gathered the Bible and explained the Bible added it so that you can understand it properly. But they've done a lot of work for us in such a way that it's now confusing us today. So you will just pick verse 14. I am that I am and go and not look at the next verse. Because the statement was not ending. Because he said, moreover, go and tell the children of Israel. So it means, if you have told them I am, I'm explaining myself to you in the next verse. Are you seeing it? So, now, it says, go and tell the children of Israel that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, not our Isaac here, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you, and this is my name forever. That is what he said. He says, this is my name. So if you don't understand who is the God of Abraham, who is the God of Isaac, who is the God of Jacob, are you saying you are going to miss the context of his name? I don't know if you are seeing it now. So because it said, this is my name, what? Forever. So now, we are going to do something. So when we say, I am that I will, already explained it, we said, I, I am means I, I in the Greek. And it means the Elohim. When we say Elohim, I'm just explaining God now. Will become Yahweh to redeem, to save, to deliver. So when Moses says, "The Lord your God is one," go to that Deuteronomy six verse four. Deuteronomy six verse four. One of the things. Why am I teaching this series today? I grew up thinking that, and and, and I want to explain why I'm teaching this series. I used to grow up thinking that you don't need the Old Testament. I don't know, for some of you used to study the Bible. You don't, you can't understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just very hard. Just stay with the new, read Jesus' story, and just read the Old Testament just like that. I used to grow up with that thinking. And I don't want you as Christians or in this church to grow up that way. I want you to grow up to understand the entirety of the Bible. Does it make sense to you? I don't want you to grow up just liking Jesus' story. He walked upon the street of men. This and that and that and that. If you don't understand the Old Testament, you won't even understand why Jesus came. Because he came to fulfill the scriptures. He told us, Lo, I came in the volume of the books. What's the books? The scriptures. And that's the Old Testament. So look at what he was saying. Let's go back here quickly. Look at what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And that implied that God will become a man. I'm going to explain this to you properly soon. It implies that God will become a man to deliver, to redeem. So when it says in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15, Deuteronomy 18 15, we were, we were there earlier. It says, let's quickly go there, Deuteronomy 18 verse 15 to 18. It says, the Lord thy God will raise up Unto thee a prophet in the midst of thee, and thy brethren like unto me. And what? What will happen? It says, Ye shall hack him, 
according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, and in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see the great fire anymore that I die. And the Lord said, They are well spoken, and they are, it says, They are well spoken that which they have spoken. In verse 18, now says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them things that I command. So Moses taught them that the prophet, the Messiah, would they were to believe in, would become a man. He says he will raise up a prophet like unto thee. That is why it says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 2. Go to Deuteronomy 30 verse 12. Don't forget, we are still building foundation now. Don't worry, it's going to make sense. Deuteronomy 30 verse 12. Remember we were here earlier. And we said, what was he saying? Let's look at verse 12 to 14. He says, it, it is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Are you seeing it now? So who is going to come from heaven for us? God will become a man. It now says, neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. In verse 14, it now says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. That's what Paul was teaching. Look at what Paul explained it as. Go to Romans 10. Go to Romans 10. Quickly, quickly. Go to Romans 10. Look at what it says. Let's see from verse 7, Romans 10, verse 7. Look at Romans, or let's start from verse 6, or let's start from verse 5. <laughs> Romans 10, verse 5. Are you there? Now it says, For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does this thing shall do what? Live by them. In verse 6, it now says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wife. Say it not in thy heart, Deuteronomy. Who shall ascend to heaven? Look at what he now says. Paul now brackets it for us so that you will understand. That is to do what? Let's read together. Bring Christ from above. For bring Christ from above. In verse 7, he now says what? Let's read together. I want to ready go. That is to do what? He now says in verse 8. But what seeth it? That what? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. And in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Look at what it says in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in what? In thy heart. That God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So that shows if you have missed the taonomy, you are not going to understand what Paul is saying in Romans. Are you seeing it, guys? So now, when go back to that taonomy text. Verse 12. Go back quickly to that Deuteronomy 30, verse 12. Go back to that Deuteronomy 30, verse 12. So don't forget, we are explaining that God will be... So Moses was telling them, since you don't want to believe, 
Guys, if you have disobeyed, God will do it again. He will raise up a prophet from among you. He will become a man. And he now told them in verse 12, he says, Is it, it is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond. Is it the same thing we read in Romans? Is it the same? And that says, Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? He says, But the word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. In verse 15, he now says, See, I've said before you this day, good, death, and evil. And he now says in, the, in verse 16, if you, in that command, in that I commanded this day to love the Lord thy God and all of those things. So now, we are explaining. So what was Moses's, what was Moses teaching? Moses was teaching us and explaining to us that God will raise a prophet from the midst of thee, from thy brethren, and you will hearken unto him. And that is, God will now become a man to us. That was why Isaiah 7 verse 14. Go to Isaiah 7 14. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Go there quickly. Isaiah 7 verse 14. When Isaiah was teaching from Moses too, what was he saying? Isaiah 7, 7 verse 14. He says, The Lord himself shall give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, let's look at the context of Emmanuel. Isaiah 8 verse 8. Go to Isaiah 8 verse 8. Isaiah 8 verse 8. It now says, Ye shall pass through Judah. Ye shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck and the stretching of the wings and shall fulfill the breath of the land, O Emmanuel. Associate yourself, O ye pieces, and ye shall be in broken, O ye people, and ye shall be broken in pieces, and give ye all ye of far countries, and guard yourself, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Guard yourself, and ye shall be broken in pieces. He now says, verse 10, take counsel together, and it shall come not to war. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. So God is with us. In other words, God will become like one of us. God will become a man. Isaiah 9 verse 6. I'm teaching you to love the new, the Old Testament. I know that a lot of Christians have issues with the Old Testament. So many people. Oh my God. Why? You know why I'm teaching you this? When I was much younger, I hated the Old Testament. I just like that's Jesus' story. If you have read Genesis and you just read Joseph's dream, Moses' story, you now go to Exodus again, you read how they cross over on the Red Sea, you, you will skip Leviticus. You don't know, say sacrifices, sacrifices, uh, bought offering, bought sacrifices. I don't like this one. If you go back to Deuteronomy, you will skip numbers too. You know, you now go back to Deuteronomy and say, I choose before you, death and life. You like that one because you are scared. Of death, causes, and all of those things. Then you go to Joshua. You say, the courage. Be courageous. Have, have to be bold. You go, you skip judges. You say, I beg. That's my word because I know judges. You enter roots. You now be saying, roots, roots. Me too, I need a God will give me my roots. <laughs> or my boas. 
you will skip that one again. Go to um, uh, what's the next one? Judges Root. First Samuel. First Samuel. Say mm, David's story. You like David's story. You like Anna, the prophetess. You like that one. When you get to Second Samuel, you read another one again. You now see Esther. Say Queen Vashti. You know, see beauty pageant. I like all this beauty pageant. Was it beauty pageant they were doing? We'll study it later. You see, I like it. The way you now get to Psalms, you, everybody likes Psalms. Because <laughs> it appeals to your emotions. Deliver me, oh Lord. You say, Lord. You look at your problem, you say, Lord, deliver me. Especially Psalm 35. If you have not, if you have, I wish some of you have gone through some problems before. I remember when I was much younger. My father took me to a church because I was a problem child. They said, so the prophetess told me, I said, take Psalm 35, take this sponge, take this soap, take this water. Anytime you want to bath, read Psalm 35 on this. So every morning, deliver me, O Lord. Deli- I'll, just, I'll just be saying, I'll just be, it was like incantations to me. Deliver me, O Lord, to water. To a water. <laughs> Now, I'm sure some of you can't relate. You're just wondering, what's, what's this guy doing? I know, sorry. But the place I grew up, ah, if you have not read Psalm 35, you have not, also, my, my mother flogged me to learn Psalm 91. He that jealous is the place of the most high, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll see of the Lord. He's my everything and my fortress. He'll go to the church. See, today I still don't know it very well because of the way. Once I get to one point, he shall suddenly deliver me from this man, from this man, from this man. Is that what I thought you should do? Is that problem will start for me again? Go back and learn it. They will flog me. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody wants that one. You don't even understand the context of shepherd. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He made me to lie down in green pasture. You see that one. After you finish that one, your school teachers will use proverbs to deal with you. My son, akin to my instruction, a lying tongue. They will flog you, they say, spoil the road and this and that. Once they finish with you or that one, they will enter. What's the next one? Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes. They'll tell you vanity. Once you are buying things too much, buying things too much, you are spending money, they say vanity. This is a vanity. Everything in this life is vanity. Then, there's one they used to oppress us there. Ecclesiastes 12. Remember the laws in the days of your youth. Then we left that one. Song of Solomon. Nobody is to touch that one. Only people in love. You just go there. Kiss me with the kisses of my heart. <laughs> Only people in love. Go there, go there to quote Song of Solomon. Kiss me with the kisses of my lips. Kiss me this. All the, so when you want to type um, messages to your girlfriend or your boyfriend, then you go to Song of Solomon. Pick. He said, I'm actually a Christian. He said, I'm actually a Christian. I'm born again. So I'm, that's why I'm typing. This is from the scripture. So when you see the, ah, like, ah, this is from the scripture, you say, yeah, I'm just using another translation. But you say it to be more, the English should be so polite. But when you now get to Isaiah, you start seeing the Amalekites, the Babylon, you say, no, no, no. When you get to Micah, you say, the canker worm and the something with the boy, you say, no. You will skip all of those things, dry bones. You don't even understand dry bones in the Ezekiel. Well, that's not your business. You will skip all of those things. The less, the highest you can get to is Jeremiah. Since from my mother's womb, I was born a prophet. They will skip to Jeremiah again. <laughs> then they will leave Zephaniah. Some people don't even know that there's anything called Zephaniah in the Bible. They don't even know that there's anything called Obadiah. There's anything called Amos. They don't even know. They just skip everything. 
The next you don't say to the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is not how to grow as a Christian, though. <laughs> so I used to be like that. You see, I just revealed your secrets. So that's why we are looking at the scriptures in depth now. Hallelujah. So all those things you have skipped when they were when you were in Sunday school when you were younger. Now we are looking at it now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Let's continue. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Those things you skip. You, people like this one. You say, you shall be with Isaiah. The priest of peace. You shall give up. This one, I'm sure everybody uses it for memory verse to them. For unto us the child is born. Unto us the son is given. And the government shall be upon the shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, in says in verse 7, of the increase of the government, and the peace shall no end upon the throne of David, and upon the kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment, and the justice from there, where, where forth, even forever, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, those were the prophecies. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 11. Isaiah 53, 1 to 11. But some people that have not read the Bible now, this will just be new to them. But people like us who have read the Bible before and we skipped all of these things. So don't forget, we are studying that what Moses was teaching them, he was already telling them from Genesis that there will be a day God will become a man. So all the writers, we've seen, we are seeing it in Isaiah now. Look at what he's still saying. He says in verse Isaiah 53, people used to read this text, but they used to read it wrongly. Who shall believe our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Look at what he now says in verse 2. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and has no root out of the dry ground. He shall have no calm nor formliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. In that sense, he is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. We hid it as we, in our faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. Is it you that will do it? No. That's the Lord Jesus. He has borne our grief, carried away our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed look at this guys so that's to let you see that from from the first five books even isaiah is already telling us this guy is going to be a man and he's a man that will do this for us you know says in verse six all we are like sheep gone astray and we've turned everyone onto his way and the lord has laid the iniquity of us all in verse seven now says he was oppressed he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. So when you see him in the temple, in the four gospels, when they were asking him questions and he did not talk, are you seeing it now? That he was fulfilling prophecies. Guys, yes. guys, 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 are you seeing it? Yes. That he was fulfilling prophecy. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to be slaughtered. And as a sheep before his shearers is done. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken into the prison for judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from out of the land of the living. For the transgression of the people, he was stricken. And he, was, and he made his grave with the wicked. And the rich in his death, because he had done no violence. 
neither was there any disease in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He says he shall prolong his days. So what is Isaiah telling us here? He says the Messiah will suffer. He will die for the sins of humanity, and he will be raised from the dead. Look at what Psalm David also did the same in Psalm 16. Don't forget, we are still studying Legend Belito. We are still studying Genesis, but we are still coming here. Look at what Psalm 16, verse 8. Go there quickly. Psalm 16, verse 8. Now, a lot of people have quoted this scripture too for their problems. But it is not. It's not your problem. It's not about, it's not about problems. Let's read it together. Psalm 16, verse 8. Are you there? I'll wait for you. Psalm 16, verse 8. Are you there, guys? Yes. Alright, let's read it together. Once we're ready, go. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. Look at verse 10. Rest with it together. Once to go. But you only want to see corruption. It's, it, Jesus was saying God will not leave his soul in hell. Sawan 1 10 verse 1. Sawan 1 10 verse 1. If you read in Acts 2, let's look at quickly put your hands on pause. Let's just look at the intertextual corroboration. Go to Acts 2. Look at how Peter described how Peter described what happened to Jesus. Go quickly to Acts 2 when he was preaching. He says in verse Acts 2, verse 30, 30, 30 to 31. Let's see. Acts 2, verse 30 to 31. Let's just see. Let's quickly see an intertextual corroboration. Acts 2, verse 30 to 31. Are you there, guys? Yes, Are you there? Yes. He says, therefore, being a prophet. Now, Peter is using the word prophet. And we're going to explain. Don't forget, Moses also used the word prophet. He says, therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that the fruit of his law is according to the flesh. He will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Look at in verse 31. He's seen this before. Spake of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not what? Left, Left in hell. Neither did what? So is that Psalm 16? Yes, Are you seeing it? So now, and it now says in verse 32, it says, This Jesus and God raised up whereof we are witnesses. Now go to um, let's go to Psalm 110, verse 1. Psalm 110, verse 1 to 3. So are you seeing that if you have not read the scripture in the Old Testament, when they are talking in the New Testament, you will not understand it. Are you seeing it, guys? Guys, are you seeing it? Yes. All right. Psalm 110, verse 1. This is the Lord said to my Lord, don't forget, we've seen the Lord thy God is one Lord. Right? In Deuteronomy. We're going to explain this thing much later. It says, the Lord said unto my Lord, that thou will sit unto thy right hand. So that shows somebody is telling somebody that somebody will sit at my right hand. Right? And this is Jesus. 
Who is, who is sitting at the right hand of Christ now? Right hand of God. Jesus. Alright. We'll explain all this concept of my Lord said to my Lord. Maybe not in this series, but just keep coming to church. Until I make the enemy thy suits to her. The Lord sent the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thee. He says, The people shall be willing in the days of thy power. And the beauties of his holiness, our song. And the beauty of his holiness from the womb of the morning and the dew of the youth. He now says in verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not repent that thou art a priest forever after the order of Meshisedek. So, back to what we are saying. So, recall that when we were talking, we said that every other prophet wrote concern, wrote, and remember I've explained to you that every other prophet or every other writer wrote from Moses. That Moses started most of the vocabularies of the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. I explained that to you. Now, so that means that Moses has taught them that, see guys, there is already an alternative. Adam has missed it. Don't forget, his teaching started from Genesis, right? To Deuteronomy, the same audience. He has told us Adam has missed it. But he now told us, there was a day God will become a man. And that man will be like you and I, flesh and blood. So that's why in this in the Taodomi 30, quickly go back there again. We were there before, but quickly go back there. So now Adam has missed it, right? Yes, These guys also have not believed the gospel. He's still preaching to them. But he's telling them, see, God will become a man. And that man, Christ Jesus, will die for our sins. Look at the Taodomi 30, verse 12. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? In other says, Neither is it beyond the sea, that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? In other says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. So, when he says, Who shall go up to us, to heaven, and bring it for us, that was concerning the fact that the prophet, that is, who God will send, who God will use and become a man, would come down and be raised from the dead. So in other words, the humanity of God, his death, his burial, his resurrection, is the message of God's promise of salvation. The humanity, you can't take, see, you can't take away the humanity of God from the scriptures. You can't. It has been evident from the first five books. It, you can't. It says God will raise unto us a prophet. And we will hearken unto him. So when Jesus said, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. He's talking about something. Because that is the humanity. That is what God wanted. That okay now, I am going to send myself and become a man. To come and fulfill this work. So God's humanity, his death, his burial, his resurrection, is the message of God's promise of salvation. And that was what is to be preached and to be believed in the heart. So why is why he said the word is 90? What is the word? Let's look at it in Romans 8. Let's look at it in Romans 10, sorry. How Paul explained it. Let's go to Romans 10. So you will see very well. In case you don't understand the taonomy, you will see Romans. Romans 10.
Romans 10. It says from verse 6, For the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in the heart, Who shall ascend unto the heavens, that is to bring Christ down from above? Who shall descend unto the deep, that is to bring Christ down again from the dead? In answer, but what saith thee? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. So Paul now explained that word is nigh thee. So what is nigh thee? He now says, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So Moses was teaching us that see, God's story, God will become a man. And that man, Christ Jesus, would come down and save us from our sins. It has been a message since Genesis. So when Adam missed it, it wasn't an alternative, it was the message. We are going to study it. So, don't forget, in that Exodus we read, when it says, I am, he now told them, moreover, you will tell them also that I am the God of what? Abraham. The God of Isaac, right? The God of Jacob. So now let's study it so that we'll see what, who is that God. Now look at in Genesis 22. Let's look at Genesis 22. Because the essence was to teach concerning the death, the burial, the resurrection of the prophets. That is the Yahweh, the Messiah. Who will come and save them from their sins? Bondage, oppression, death, darkness. Look at Genesis 22. Verse 1 to 19. Genesis 22, 1 to 19. It's a long read, but I will try and shorten it for us. I'll just pick up. It's a long read, but I will just shorten the place for us and, and pick it up. Don't forget, there's something I want you to take pay, pay emphasis to. It says there was something that some there was something that happened here. It says, look at verse 2. It says, and he said unto them, Take now thy son. It says, thy only son. Now wait, was Isaac the only son of, G- of Abraham? There was already Ishmael. But he said, take now thy son, thy only son. Now, so that means, and Isaac was not even his first son. The first son was Ishmael. We are coming to that. But look at something in verse 14. Look at something, that, because, of, because it's a long read, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shorten this for us. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Don't forget what happened in verse 7. Look at verse 7. And Isaac spoke to his father and said, My father, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb? Where is the burnt offering? <laughs> Every... Every time we ask that question, ah, <laughs> we are going to burn sacrifice. There is no fire. I see fire. I see wood. There is no animal. <laughs> I'll buy the sacrifice. <laughs> I would, ah, me, I would just look for it. I'll just call 911. I know there was no 911 he could have called. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? There was no 911 Isaac could have called. He said, I see fire. I see the wood. Where is the sacrifice? But look at what Abraham said. Ah, this this thing is very key. 
Look at verse 8. Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. And Abraham said, No, you're not reading it loud. One, two, ready, go. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself in the land for the God of You missed a detail. What's the detail? God will provide himself. Himself. Not God will provide a lamb. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. You missed the details. You must learn to pay attention to details in the scriptures. It says God will do what? Provide himself a lamb. Abraham knew it. He knew it. Abraham knew that God is going to provide himself. So he responded to this guy in verse 8, Genesis 22, verse 8. Let's read it together one more time. One, two, ready, go. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. He says he will provide himself a lamb. So when I say, wait, let's take it, let's take it to this context. When I tell you, I will provide myself the iPhone. Meaning I want you to use myself as the iPhone, right? That was the meaning. He says, God will provide himself. A lamb. Key emphasis. I said, no, but both went up together. So Isaac will be comforted that, okay, I'm not the one. <laughs> there must be an alternative to something that the father wants to use. And he says, Elohim will provide himself a lamb. He was explaining. He now called the place Jehovah Jireh. Don't forget, when Moses, when Moses asked that question, God told him, I am, right? And I told you it is Yahweh. It means to redeem, to save. That he will come and redeem his people. He will come and save them. Then he now said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham. Now we are looking at Abraham now. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. Because if you don't understand that detail, you will not know who God is. He now says, God, I says, this will be my name. That's what God said. He said, this will now be my name. So what is that? We now have to study who is that? What did the God of Abraham do? Now we are seeing the God of Abraham. Abraham already told his son, he says, God will provide himself a lamb. And he called the place. The first time Abraham is naming a place, he called the place what? Jehovah Jireh. Me and you use that word today. I say, Jehovah Jireh, the God of provider. But what did he provide? Himself. He provided himself. They didn't go with the lamb, remember? Remember, guys? They didn't go with the lamb. That's why Isaac had to ask, Father, I see a wood. I see everything. I see the foil. I see the matches. What are we going to use? And Abraham answered, God will provide himself. So you and I will keep saying, the Jehovah Jireh, the Jehovah Jireh, good. But what did the Jehovah Jireh do? He provided himself. He was the provider. So and don't forget, in Genesis 20 verse 6, look at it. Look at Genesis 26 and 7. Don't forget, Moses already told us, God will raise unto us a prophet, right? Yes, sir. Look at Genesis 26. Genesis 26 verse 6. Genesis 20 verse 6. We are looking at God's providence. Who is the God of Abraham? So when we keep saying God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, we want to understand it. If we understand it, we will finish out. It says that God said unto him in a dream. Genesis 26. I know that thou didst this with the integrity of thy heart. 
and I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, I suffered thee not to touch her. Look at what it now says in verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And thou shalt restore her, and thou shalt not surely die, and all that are dying. In other words, Abraham was prophesying God's providence. That is God's provision for man. So what happened at Mount Moriah? Moses was teaching his audience that Moses was teaching his audience what Abraham did with Isaac on Mount Moriah. He was teaching and prophesying concerning God's promise. So it means if God can provide himself as a lamb on that mountain, he will physically provide himself as a man to rescue us from our sins. Moses was teaching his audience in a figurative way. Don't forget, he's explaining their stories. So that's to let you see that even the stories of the Bible are deliberate theology. We read the stories and we get carried away, but the stories are theology. I've always told you in this church that if you want to understand God, you have to understand the stories of men. Read throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It is, it is full of the stories of men. So what me and you are understanding today is how God dealt with men and how God moved with men. And that's what we are studying in the scriptures. So what Moses was explaining to them was, see guys, there was a day, Abraham, our forefather, went to a mountain, Mount Moriah, to sacrifice, wanted to make a sacrifice. Instead of using his son, he told his son that God will provide himself. And God did by providing a lamb. Meaning, and what we come out of the lamb, a blood, right? Yes. Meaning. So when we start saying the lamb that was, uh, what was that thing that they say? The lamb, uh, the lamb that was slain for our sins. We use that for Jesus, right? But um, Abraham already did it for us. Abraham already showed us a shadow that there will be a day. God will come down himself. And come as a man to die. You know, if he come as a God, God cannot die. God cannot die. He has to come as a man to die. And that is how the sins of the world will be taken away. So when he now says, the world is nigh thee in thy heart, the word of faith which we preach, meaning if I preach about the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, and anyone believes it, he is saved. And you see that the gospel is not about academic sources. Come, let me give you, come, pass your exam and you'll be saved. That is not the gospel. People that come out like that are not saved. They only came out to pass exam. Come, so that your marriage will be good. You only came out so that your marriage will be good. Not, you did not get saved. Come, so that Jesus will give you a good life. You only came so that he will give you a good life. You are not saved. You did not hear the message. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? If you get into this, but let me hear, let me see your hands. So if you say, if you say, come, let me give you, um, let me give you, so that everything will be well. There will be a death cancellation for you. You know, America, this and that. So just believe Jesus. The death, your death will be cancelled. You only came out so that your death will be cancelled. You did not get saved. 
Because that is not the message. The message was that God provided himself. And any man that believes in that, he is saved. Are you seeing it now, guys? So, when we say the God of Abraham, the God that provided himself for Abraham. So, if he did it for Abraham, why is he not going to do it for the children of Israel? Are you seeing what Moses is doing? Are you seeing what Moses is doing? Meaning, I have worked with Abraham and I provided myself for Abraham. I worked with Isaac. We are going to see Isaac very soon. I provided myself. I walked with Jacob. I provided myself. So that's why they will get to the Red Sea. And most of you say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they can walk through. Meaning I'm the one that is going to do it. Are you seeing it, guys? Are you seeing it, guys? All right. Look at Genesis 22, verse 16. Genesis 22, verse 16. Look Look at what was happening. Look at what Moses was explaining. Genesis 22 verse 16. Don't forget, I explained to you that Isaac was not even the first son. He wasn't the only son. And in Genesis 22 verse 2, he says, take thy only son. But look at what in verse 16 he says. And he said, he says, the angel of the Lord called Abraham in verse 15 out of heaven the second time. And he said, by myself I have sworn, said the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing, and thou hast not retailed their son, he now says, "Without thy son." He now repeated it again, "Thy only son." And is Isaac the only son? Yes, Isaac is not the only son. If you read Genesis sixteen, verse one to um, verse one to ten, you will see how Ishmael was born. Genesis sixteen, verse one to ten, you will see how Ishmael was born. Go there. Ishmael was not a bad child. No, he was not. Look at Genesis sixteen eleven. Look at Genesis sixteen eleven. Genesis 16, 11. Quickly, quickly. It says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with a child, and thou shalt bear a son, and his name shall be called Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy affliction. So, after even Sarah's, after even Sarah died, in Genesis 25, verse 1, Abraham married another person. And Abraham married Keturah. Genesis 25, verse 1 to 4. And he gave birth to more children. So, but look at the emphasis in Genesis 22. Go back to Genesis 22. So that shows that Abraham had a lot of sons, right? Okay. Ishmael was not a bad child. Ishmael's name is called Ishmael. We take away affliction. So he wasn't a bad child. Are you see, get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Now look at the emphasis. Genesis 22, verse 2. That we used to miss. He says, take thy son, thy only son. What did he say? Who thou, who what? For God so loved the the only begotten, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, who so, he says, whom thou lovest. Meaning it's because of the love you want to do this. So he is not, he is willing to give up the father is willing to give up his son. Are you seeing it? He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is it making sense? Yeah. Genesis story. So when you read in the four gospels, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, what will your mind flash back to? Abraham. Abraham. 
how Abraham wanted to give up the son he loves. So if you have not read Abraham, when you are reading, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, you cannot understand. You can't. You will just be reading it and just be enjoying it. But you need a background to understand it. You see why I said, I wanted to explain, I want you to appreciate the entire Bible. Are you seeing it now? Because when I was much younger, these are things we used to preach. We're so happy. The New Testament, this and that. But see, there is a background to those things. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So meaning, so in Genesis 17, go to Genesis 17. I, I can't read everything over. But when you in your free time, read it on your own. Genesis 17, verse 1 to 23. But I'll just speak 21. Look at 21. Genesis 17, 21. As I begin to close now. It says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall be unto me. And at this time, at this set time in the year, it says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, not with other children. But that's because of the law. So, and don't forget, they were both Abraham's son. Isaac, it was Isaac, not Ishmael, that the Lord also established his covenant with. If you listen to supernatural life, I explain born of the spirit, born of the flesh, Isaac, Ishmael. Go and listen to it. Then if you read Genesis 16, 7 to 12 also, Genesis 17, 18, you will see, Genesis 17, 18, you will see, it says, And Abraham said unto God, Hold that Ishmael might live before thee. In verse 20, it says, And as for Ishmael, I have heard him, and I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply exceedingly. Twelve princes shall live bigger, and I will make him a great nation. Israel, so Ishmael was still, Ishmael did not suffer. But there was a preference. Isaac, the one he loved. Are you seeing it? We're going to study this much later. So that means, he now says, I will establish my covenant with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee. So he was telling us, so when he was teaching us the, the explanation of your only son, he was explaining the imagery that prefigures God's promise. God's only son is Christ. In other words, Moses was explaining to his children or to his audience that God is the one who will suffer his only son. You know, many of you think, yes, your sin made Jesus suffer. No. God sent Christ to come and die for us. He came down on his own. We'll study that much later. So the birth of Ishmael will be a figurative explanation of Moses concerning man's efforts. Don't forget, God already told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to give birth to a child, right? When it was not coming, they looked for an alternative. Works. They say, Aga, let's take my maid. Go and sleep with my maid. Get me the child quickly. Fast miss. So Moses was teaching them that the birth of Ishmael was man's efforts outside God's promise. So that's why you see a lot of people. They think it is by crying that makes them say, no. They say, you have to feel the repentance. You have to cry. You have to do this. 
If it is your cry that gets you say, why did he come and die? Why did he waste his blood? Why did he waste 33 years? If it is just by cry. If it's just by cry, shout unto him. Do all of those things. You are looking for an alternative. When you meet a sinner, don't preach emotional messages. Don't preach sentimental messages. Don't say because he's smoking. Don't do that. God does not judge anybody. Don't say, stop your cigarette. Leave that one. Just teach him that Christ died for his sin. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Teaching. Paul said, that is how they will be saved. Because once you start doing that, you are making the work of redemption look insignificant. So Moses was teaching us Explain the birth of Ishmael to us as something they were trying to do with their efforts. Why God's promise? So that's why, you see, it took a while before Isaac, um, 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 Isaac came, right? So when you have friends telling you, why did it take that long before Jesus came? You should now understand. So why the birth of Isaac was to explain man's faith in God's promise. So when he told, don't forget, the next statement he said in Genesis 17, go to Genesis 17. Genesis 17. He says, I am Abraham. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. He now says, and I will multiply thy seeds. I will multiply thy seeds. If you read from verse 3 downwards, you see how he said he will establish his seed. You read it to verse 10. So don't forget again. The birth of Ishmael and the birth of Isaac were figurative expressions, figurative stories, images, parabolative explanations to explain man's effort outside God's voice and man's faith in God's voice. So that means... Moses was still teaching them the same thing that happened in the garden. Man wanted to hear another voice. And they did not hearken to the voice of God. The same thing Abraham too was trying to do. Abraham, God already told him, walk before me. I will make you perfect. He has already promised him a child. He could do it. Same thing Adam was doing. He went to look for an alternative. But the birth of the son came. So, we'll continue from here next week. And we're going to look at how he says, so when he says, I will multiply thy seed, what does he mean? So when you, you see that word, I will multiply, how many of you noticed that that word was so reoccurring in the scripture? I will multiply thy seed, I will make thy silly great, all of those things. We're going to see that next week. When he says, be fruitful and multiply, what does he mean? So now, when we say, let there be light, and there was light, it means we said that the light is God's voice, is God's action, God's spirit, God's utterance to a man. And darkness is that state of a man, of the man who has not believed the gospel. So when we preach the gospel, when we tell people about what Christ has done, what are we telling them? Let there be light. Hallelujah. That's what we are telling them. 
We are telling them, let there be light. We are telling them that, see, we're going to continue on this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We only start Abraham. So when you see, so are you seeing the promise? So when Abraham was explaining in the gospel, in his teachings, he was using the story of a family to communicate God's promise to them. Are you seeing that? Hey, Isaac was not the only one, was not the only child, right? But why was he chosen? He was the one the father loved. So when you read in the four gospels and say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Whose background will come to your mind? The Jehovah Jireh. The background of the God who provides himself. So when he says that his name is, I am, I come to save, I will come and deliver, I will come and redeem, right? And after them, go and tell them, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and that is my name. Is it making sense to you? It means the God of promise. The God that will not uh, fail in his promise. And this, you can relate this to your own personal life. Honestly. By just telling yourself, meaning, no matter what God has said about me, it will come to pass. You can bring it home. He will not fail in his promise. He didn't fail in the time of Abraham. Abraham was so confident. You don't understand. He was taking his son to a place. With no sacrifice. And he told him, and he told the guy and said, See, God is going to provide himself. How he will do it, I don't know. But he is going to provide himself. And when he got to the place, when he, when he looked around, he did not see anybody. He wanted to use the sun. But he was still confident that God will provide himself. And as he was about to do it, what happened? God provided himself. Hallelujah. The God of promise. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when we preach the gospel today, and we tell men that the word is thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach, what are we doing? We are retreating what God said in Genesis. Let there be light. So let there be light is not a once and forever thing. Are you seeing it? Because when I now preach the gospel, I've explained darkness to you. I've explained light to you. When I preach the gospel, what happened? They receive the light of life. John 8 verse 12. He that followeth me shall not do what? Let's go there. Let's read it together as we close. John 8 verse 12. John 8 verse 12. Let's read that together as we close. Let everybody, let's read it together. John 8 verse 12. Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? I'll wait for you. John 8 verse 12. Are you there? John 8, 12. Are you there? What did he say? Let's read it together. One, two, ready, go. No, you're not starting like Let's start again. One, two, ready, go. Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall have what? The light of light. So when we preach the gospel, what is happening to people? They are receiving the light of light. So what is happening to them? What is happening to them is, and there was light. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So we have been called to this, to this purpose, to this plan, and that God's promise has never changed from Genesis. He has been the Jehovah Jireh.
providing for us. Amen. Blessed. Just worship him as wherever you are. Just thank him for his promise. Thank you for what he has done in Christ Jesus. Thank him.